Hello, Liturgy Guy listeners. This is your host, Jesse Weiler, and we have another great episode for you. This week, we are talking about repetition in the Mass, and I am excited because this is my new favorite episode. I know that in the past, I talked a lot about our episode called Let's Get Metaphysical, and yes, that's still great, and if you haven't listened to it, you should totally do that right now. But this is my new favorite episode, and the reason is because I always thought the language in the Mass was just supposed to be the best translation possible. And the things that Chris talks about in terms of repetition and language and purpose of the words really kind of blew my mind, and and it opened up a world that I never knew about, about language in the Mass and the intentional repetition. So without further ado, episode 24 of season two of The Liturgy Guys. Enjoy. Going to talk to you today about the mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present the Liturgy Guys. Now, live from the blue room of the Liturgical Institute offices, uh, it's Chris Carson's ready to say something. Yes. Normally, he sits there and picks his nose. Sometimes he takes a nap. Then we fill him full of coffee until he's ready to say something smart. And now he's going to talk about, talk about, talk about, what's he going to talk about, talk about, talk about? Repetition in the liturgy, 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 liturgy. Have we started? Of course. Yes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, all right. I'm so ready. we now. You know what intrigues me? Yeah, Chris? we got to talk yes. about the repetition thing. A yeah. Long time ago, I think it was was it Catherine Pickstock, who was this yeah. British? <laughs> Why do you groan? Do you well, know her? Talk, have you ever tried to read her book? Sorry, Miss Doctor Pickstock, wherever you no, are. No, it's Chris mean, did it's, not mean to offend you. No, no, it's not bad. It's it's, but it's very. Uh, it's a difficult read. Well, she's very, very, very smart. Yeah, that's that's the. I heard that's why I found it so never difficult. Even, never even heard of her. I heard her speak at a conference many years ago, and she talked about a holy stutter. Do you know hmm. the holy stutter? Mm, I, I no. don't know. Yeah, but, but I like it. It's sort of like when you're in the presence of God, and you, it, your magnificence of God is in front of you that you can't speak the normal way. Like you have to speak. That's why we say holy, holy, holy three times because we're like holy. Oh, oh, oh. Well, yeah, that's the old Jewish way of indicating <laughs> oh, the, um, that's the superlative, right? Mm-hmm. So we, they didn't have a, like very or ist. So you were the holy, not just holy, 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 holy means the holiest, the holiest mm-hmm. of the holiest. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Right. So Lamb repetition. Of God, Lamb of God. Indicates we think of a stutter. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea. Exactly. Yeah. We think of nice. a stutter being like a problem, whereas if you take it to a kind of you know theological richness, the stutter means I'm in the presence of something so great that I can't speak like I'm talking to my buddies, and so there's a liturgical from the sublime to the stutter. mundane. Now we're Green Bay Packer fans in Wisconsin, nope, but nope, there nope. was during the uh, nope. uh, playoffs. There was this. Do you guys remember that Minnesota Vikings game? Which uh, whatever they beat the Saints like on the last second of the game. The oh, the, yeah. they, uh, like a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 Did you remember seeing it? Yes. And it was it was, it was so amazing. All you could just say is, "I can't believe that happened." I, I can't believe that I, happened. I, I can't believe. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe it. It's, it was just when you see someone, well, you're like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!" Yeah, oh exactly. Yeah. You just start to repeat yourself. That's oh, what I said amazing. when we got the prize from uh, Fisher's Net for best podcast. 
I was oh, like, oh, you're my gosh. Oh, tell me about that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. What I are really like it. What I are really they thinking? <laughs> what are they thinking? They're crazy. That's really cool. Anyway. Do you have something to say, Chris? About? What, this podcast? Or we can keep talking. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, repetition. So I thought we would discuss how uh, repetition is used in the liturgy. But aren't repetitions useless? Aren't repetitions mm-hmm. useless? Isn't that a line? In fact, I was it's just like talking. Having, see, we should have just the Liturgy Guy podcast and not have the other useless two. <laughs> I was now talking, you can decide which are the two useless ones. At lunch yesterday, I was talking with Christian Garcia, who's a very nice first theologian seminarian here, and he asked me about useless repetitions. And in the liturgy or yeah, just in general? because Vatican II says that the rite should be short, clear, and unencumbered by useless, useless repetitions. repetitions. Oh, okay, so that sounds different than the other stuff that we're talking about. Well, that's uh, well. This is what the question or, is, or it implies that there are useful repetitions. Exactly. Like, holy, holy, exactly. holy! Right? Is that useless? <sighs> no. It doesn't presume that all repetitions are useless, but if there are accretions over the ages that things just got added that aren't really to the benefit of anyone, then that's a useless repetition, and so off it goes. Yeah. But what most people thought was all repetitions are useless, mm, and so mm-hmm. therefore get rid of all of them. So yeah. you're going to rescue us from this bad idea. Well, I'm you, going to uh, uh, put forward some observations about how um, the Roman Missal in uh, the Mass uses repetition in a useful way in its uh, language, in a way that's really pretty cool, I think. All right. All right. Go for it. Licit and cool. Licit, <laughs> licit valid, cool, awesome. And uh, so, you know, before we start then, you know, I, what I want to point out too is that all of these ways that um, the missile uses to repeat are drawn from these great human examples of, you know, what, what are the speeches you would have, or texts you would have uh, studied maybe in, in school? I have a dream. I have a dream. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were to type into Google, most famous uh, American speeches. Gettysburg uh, uh, Address. Uh, something from Vin- Vince Lombardi or... <laughs> Uh, Eisenhower. <laughs> okay, yeah, those types of things. Or in English language, who's the, who's, um, the most famous English poet or writer? Shakespeare, right? Mm-hmm. So um, Walt Whitman, Edmund Burke, um, uh, what's it? James Joyce, other things like this. So, Joseph O'Brien. <laughs> Joseph O'Brien, shout out to Joseph O'Brien at Soldier's Grove. So, He's a poet. So that's the first thing, is that... What the missile is using is it's drawing upon, um, not simply you mentioned, you know, how um, maybe among the chosen people to say a superlative thing, you'd repeat it three times or some such. Uh, these, are, these are very common uh, human ways of saying yeah. excellent things. So if you were hearing a really great inspirational homily, the priest might say at the end, I ask of you, go to confession today. I ask of you. Go home and love your wives. I ask of you, surrender oh, your life to Christ. I see what mm-hmm. you're doing there. Okay. And by repeating that three times, suddenly those words, even though you've heard them already, it's not less. It's actually more by hearing it three times. Now, yeah. When it you're talking it, about yeah. the Missal, are you talking about like post-Vatican, new translation? Yeah, or? well, this is, this is the second point, is that all of these examples that I'm going to give are in the third edition of the Roman Missal okay. in English from 2011. None of these existed in the 1985 sacramentary. Oh. All right, so, and this is uh, in part because, you know, so we heard Sacrosanctum Concilium talking about be, uh, the rites should be short, clear, and unencumbered by useless repetitions. But when we get to Liturgiam Authenticam, 
All right, so that's one of the ways that... Uh, it says, put in useless repetitions. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says one of the ways that, that you're going to make a vernacular translation is to employ repetitions uh, mm. to kind of heighten the, the character of the, of the language. Right? Hostiam so, puram. Hostiam Puram. Sanctam, hostiam, immaculatum. Yeah, so yeah the, whatever this, you guys are saying. Well, the, the, that's how it would be uh, in, in Latin, but it's just what Dennis was saying. Go to, con- what did you say? Go to confession. Go to confession. Love your wife. Go love your wife. Surrender Go your life to Jesus. Yeah, so it's the same type of pattern. Those are phrases from the Roman canon of the first Eucharistic prayer where it says, they say to God the Father, we offer you this spotless victim, this pure victim, this immaculate victim. Oh, it's but, a, also kind of like a litany, too. In a way, yeah. Litanies well, let's, are repetitions, Well, let's, sure. let's look at some okay, of these. Let's okay. let's oh, like sorry, did talk. I reveal some right. stuff? No, no, no. Okay, okay. No, this is great, because you're, 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 you already have a sense of this. Good. Okay, of how repetition has been. You're working. a genius. So I'm going to give you, Thank let's you. see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven examples of useful repetition. Can we just do one? The, the other one seems Well, we'll, we'll do one, and we'll see how you like it. Okay. Then we may quit the episode. All of these have very fancy names to them. So I'll give you the fancy name and then I'll uh, describe what it is I'll give you a, an example I'm tingling from, with uh, excitement oh yeah this, this is, actually is cool okay. tingling with desire I'm okay. tingling with okay appetite. the first one the first one is called anaphora do you know what anaphora means uh, they usually use that in relation to the Eucharistic prayer right those are anaphoras yeah, so in the, the East means. we call it, what's a fora like Christophora bearer bearer okay so it means to carry an ana like an uh, anamnesis, you know, an anamnesis, memory bearer. To take a memory back, to carry back. So in the, Ooh. I think in the Eastern anaphora, is what they're called, the Eucharistic prayers, it means to carry your heart back to God. So this sursum corda, this lift up your heart, you're carrying your back, your, your heart back to God. Ooh, anyway, I like that. linguistically, so it means to bring back to the beginning, to bring back to the beginning. So uh, a famous example of this in uh, American history is the uh, I have a dream. It's called the I have a dream speech. Do you know what that one is? From Martin Luther King Jr.? Right, 1963. So he says like seven or eight or nine times in succession, I have a dream that, I have a dream that, I have a dream that. Mm -hmm. So this is an example of anaphora because he's going back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. I have a dream that, I have a dream that. Right, and so if... um, a more useless way to say this would be, I have a dream that A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z. And mm-hmm. just leave out this, this repetition. Right. But we're talking about rhetorical expression here that'll bring up desire in, in people when they hear it, right? So See, it's, it's not useless. Use, no, it's very useful. In fact, uh, um, this speech is commonly referred to as the I have a dream speech is called Normalcy Never Again. But nobody knows the name of the speech. Oh, that has that's, that's, that's the actual the title n- of the speech. Oh. Normalcy never again. Everybody just calls it the "I have a dream" speech. That is how effective that device of repeating the beginning is. Mm. Okay, so here's an example from the Roman Missal. Uh, this is in the uh, translation of the Gloria. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We, we glorify you. you. We give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God, Heavenly King. Right. So again. Uh, uh, it's useful because it's keep it's keeping in our minds and it's before written. God what it is, what it is that we're doing. Right. So the old translation we, said we praise we we, we give worship you, you we give you thanks we praise you for your glory that's that right so uh, they took now, out the repetition and now it's back or it's more they certainly abbreviated it yeah. now a oh. really abbreviated way to say it could just be we praise you bless you adore you glorify give you thanks 
Right? Like just well, a list of things. Yeah, just a yeah. list of These things. These are all the things we do, and here they are. Okay. So this is one example of repetition, an aphora, bringing it back to the beginning, where you go back and repeat the beginning part. Go to the, the store word. and buy bread. Well, go well, to the store and buy milk. <laughs> go to the store. Now, you know where you're going and, when you hear yeah, that, right? Mm-hmm. And a stick of butter. A loaf now, of bread. Yeah. We're only on number one. This stuff okay. is blowing my mind. Chris. Okay, here's number two. It's called Simploki. Okay. Simploki. Isn't that some kind of like uh, Middle Pol- Eastern food? Polish pastry? Yeah, it does sound like it, yeah. Hey, okay, this, me it the does simploki? Kind of, it does, okay. Mm. So a simploki is a repetition, not only of a beginning, but of an ending, too. So it's a repetition of a beginning and an ending. So this is uh, Shakespeare's As You Like It. You probably would have nailed this, uh, Jesse. I'll tell you who time ambles withal, who time trots withal, who time gallops withal, and who he stands still withal. Okay. All right, so it's repeating not just the beginning who, Ooh. but also the withal. Hmm. How do you spell right. simploki? S-Y-M-P-L-O-C-E. Oh, it's like a Greek word, I guess. Yeah, I think all these are Greek words. Okay, in the missal, this is the one you mentioned before. Um, Therefore, Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that we have been given this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Hmm. Like cheerleaders use this kind of thing, don't they, all the time? Well, that's a good point. It it brings up desire in the people that that, that hear it. Well, these aren't theological points here. This is a very very human input to the way we pray. So they're not theological positions, they're human positions. Remember the asceticism episode we did a long time ago? We Mm -hmm. talked about the irascible... And the, uh, there's different powers. One of them was the power to be charged up by something. And so you want to be charged up by good things. And so if you want to be charged up to do liturgical things, the words themselves can. This, this is amazing. I didn't know we were talking about this today. This is so cool. Okay, here's we'll the, have to do it again. Here's the yeah. next one. Here's the and next again. one. And again. This uh, next one is called diakope. D-I-A-C-O-P-E. From the Greek word to cut in two and then to drop in a word in between. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's an example from, uh, again, uh, Shakespeare. Again, what did he know about English mm-hmm. language? Nothing. Words, words, mere words. Mere is in the middle. Mere is in the middle. A wow. horse, a horse, a kingdom for a, a horse. horse. To be or, or not, not to be. To, to be. be. Oh, it's like bookends with a book in the middle. Yeah, yeah. so you, you take the, the, the phrase or the word and you cut it in half and then you drop in a word. Jesse, you mentioned this one earlier. Mea culpa, mea, mea culpa, mea, mea maxima, maxima culpa. Through Chris my fault, through my fault, through Chris. my most grievous fault. Good. All right. So where is, oh yeah, there you go. Diacopy. Wow. Right? Didn't, exi- didn't exist in the English translation before but the third edition. Basically, are we just idiots, Chris? I mean, well, yes. you got people in the pews but, like, I don't want all this fancy translation. No one can say it. We should speak like we speak today. Are we just like so ignorant of the language that we don't even know that we should have these things? Well, I suppose insofar as nobody's reading Shakespeare anymore. Or nobody studies rhetoric Edmund or Burke. grammar. Yeah, or. No, exactly, exactly. Um, There's a small so cottage I, industry about complaining about the current missile, you know. Uh, and oftentimes I don't, I don't hear any of this. All I hear is, oh, it's too hard to say. Well, no, quite frankly, what you hear is, it, it ain't good English. <laughs> it's not good English. We should be speaking in good English, and this translation is not good English. This is elevated, though. Just, it is, yeah. and you know, it's, listen, it's not a perfect translation. There never will be a perfect translation. The text in Latin is not perfect, and so far it's always a human thing. The human dimension is always going to lead to imperfection. But to say that the third edition of the, of, of the Missal 
is not good English, well, it's, it's, in many ways, it's patterned upon you know, the greatest English speeches ever made. I didn't, so, I didn't know any of this. This is great. Yeah, well, too right. few people do, three. I think. Okay, that's four three. now? Yeah, here's four. This is called um, anadiplosis. Oh my gosh, it sounds like anadiplosis. A <laughs> I had a bad case anadip- of that a couple didn't of years you, uh, ago. Didn't you date a girl named anadiplosis in college? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, anadiplosis means to double up. It's the repetition of words at the end of a phrase, and then they're doubled up, and they begin the next phrase. Mm. Okay. okay. So, when I give, I give myself. Mm. Walt Whitman. All men that are ruined are ruined on the side of their natural propensities. Edmund Burke. Okay. He was an orator in his own day, wasn't yeah. he? Okay, so you have the last phrase, then you double it up and you begin the next All phrase. Catholic podcasts that win awards, win awards win. for... Anadiplosis. Chris's nice. genius. This is great. Okay. Ooh. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It what? is truly right and just. Ooh, our it, duty it and our salvation. Truly right and just. Ooh, always I and almost, everywhere. Take I almost said the, the old one. Uh-huh, when, you, uh-huh. when you do the responses by yourself, one time I went to Mass and I was the only one there, just the priest and I. Oh, I know. And I was so nervous that I was going to say the parts wrong because, you know, you're, when you say it mm-hmm. in a crowd, in a group of people, it's just so natural. But then when it's just you, you're like overthinking it. So. Mm-hmm. You notice how in one, one, one person says the the older translation to it kind of yeah. derailed. It is right to give you just. <laughs> and praise. <laughs> okay. But the old translation, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Father, it is our duty and our salvation always. It's not even there. Mm-hmm. It's not even there. Okay. That's antidiplosis. Now we are up to, wow. which one are we up to? Uh, five. Five. We, we should call these like seven theses on uh, uh, useful repetition. <laughs> yeah, as if we came up with them. Right? A new era in liturgical language. Okay, this is a fun one. This is a fun one. This is called palindrome. What do you think? Oh, do you yeah, think this I is really this fun? Palindrome is, is a mirror on the opposite side. Yes, there's yeah. a... Ooh, that's fun. There's a song by, uh, they might be giants, called I, Palindrome, I. Do you know that one? You know the super taster. I only know the super taster. John, John Lee's super taster. Okay. Well, race car is a palindrome. Okay, yeah. Spelled the same forward. Yeah, so if you were to spell R-A-C-E and then E is your middle point and then it's mm-hmm. spelled backwards the other way. Yeah, or, you know what that is? Or, That's my head exploding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a little one is I, E-Y-E. You see how it's, it's mm-hmm. mirrored both sides. Yeah. There's a longer one. Uh, a man, a, a plan, plan, a canal, Panama. Panama. So right in the middle of, if you take the middle word and you can spell both directions and it says the same thing. Again. Okay. So uh, a very famous one. uh, So this is a palindrome. When it's at the level of uh, um, a larger series of texts, like in a sentence, and not just a a phrase, but a whole sentence, uh, and it's reversed, it's called an epanados, epanados, a repetition of words in the opposite order. So Dennis, ask not what your country can do for you. But what you can do for your country. That's a panados. That's a type of uh, palindrome. All right, so if that's not, that's like in the top three American speeches ever. That's not what your country can do for you. Okay, and the only reason it's memorable is because it employs this useful device of repetition. How would you rephrase it and eliminate that? Because it's too... Don't be lazy and live off the government. Do your work, darn it, period. Who would remember that? Nobody, but I don't even remember it, and that was like two seconds ago. Okay. Now, 
So we've, uh, we've just begun, the well, we've just begun ordinary time. Let's see if you remember, this is the collect from the first week in ordinary time. Wait, wasn't it the second? Didn't we go right to week two? No, no we no, had a first week. Oh, the week okay, one. that's right. Yeah. We didn't have a first Sunday, but we had a first Tell week. Tell me if this is familiar to you. Attend to the pleas of your people with heavenly care, O Lord, we pray, that they may see what must be done and gain strength to do what they have seen. Hmm. Oh. That they may see what must be done and gain strength to do what they yeah. have seen. That pattern's actually pretty common. I can't think of another one, but that happens a lot. It does. Right. It does. It's like, wait, may they uh, enjoy, participate in this heavenly food and then have the strength to do what this food brings them. Something like that. There's well, a lot of What about when they, uh, they, they mix the water into the chalice? By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself, himself to share in our humanity. humanity. Yep. Yeah. Right? So it. it's kind Good of job. reversing it right there. Hmm. Okay. Uh, just for the record, the former sacramentary, the collect was, Father of love, hear our prayers, help us to know your will, and to do it with courage and faith. Snoozer. Yeah. It's certainly not as uh, memorable, that, so it's, it's much more useful. Well, this, is, to have this is what I say, and I rarely send out messages to the whole world because nobody cares, but <laughs> if there's anybody out there who doesn't know all, any of this and is complaining about the missile, Learn this first, mm. and then make an educated critique. Yeah, just just to say it's bad English, it, it, not understandable is <laughs> it's, it's not true. Right, it's, mm -hmm. it's not perfect, but it's not uh, just awful. Well, oh, it, it also shows that that when the, when the people who are translating this, they they put thought and care into making sure that it would be something that you would truly know and remember and Absolutely. experience. Well, see, it's the, what's, what's the mother of all teaching? God. I don't know. Isn't it, you know this maxim, right? Uh, it's repetition oh. is the mother of all good teaching. Right? So you... What's the mother of all good teaching? Repetition. Isn't it, isn't it repetition. <laughs> Say it again. What's what is? the mother... <laughs> Okay, so you hear it enough times and gradually it starts to work its way into your, into your bones. See, in a lot of these things, you have to say, if you look at the Latin, they're not the same way in the Latin, but like Liturgium Authenticum says, to employ devices in the receiver language that can keep it elevated, memorable, significant, um, that, that's all for the good. And that's right. what these things do. They take the best that Shakespeare and our history and, and Martin Luther King Jr. and John F. Kennedy and Walt Whitman and Edmund Burke uh, and T.S. Eliot, uh, John Paul, all these things, St. Paul uses a lot of these things and employs them in our own uh, language. Okay, mm, so let me give you one more. So this also is under the uh, uh, rubric of palindrome. It's something that's said in a mirror way. We're still on number five with this? No, let's see, this is four. Yeah, so five, five has three a bunch parts. of so this stuff. This is the last okay, one. I never want one. this to end. This, this is, is so called uh, uh, chiasm or chiasmus. Do you know oh, what yes. a chiasmus is? Nope. I've heard you talk about it, but I don't okay. remember. Uh, you didn't repeat it enough to me. <laughs> Say it again. So the Greek letter, so this is an epanidos or palindrome at the level of a whole passage. So we've had it in a word, I, or a phrase, uh, a man, a planet, a canal. An epanidos is a much longer, like in a sentence. Uh, a chiasm is uh, the biggest unit of text. Okay? Hmm. So the Greek letter chi is basically a, an X. All right? So what it means is, it's going to say in an inverse way beneath the X what it said above. The, it's going to say at the bottom half what it said in the top half, but it's going yeah. to kind of mirror reflection. Does that make it sense? Yeah, but this is how you, like good writing is. You, you, you put out your point, then you explain it, and then you restate your point, right? Yes, but you can. This is much more intentional, 
and the parallels, I think, are much more Direct. intentional as well. Yeah, so all those they, paintings they, and photographs where you're looking at the canals in Amsterdam and the, the buildings are reflected in the river, it's, it's twice. It's there twice, but slightly different. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, they, they say uh, Plato's dialogues were written along this line. Uh, um, Brothers Karamazov. <laughs> <laughs> suffer oh, through. yeah. I actually, yeah, I have Okay, that. if you take Brothers Karamazov, and it's 400 or 500 pages, and you open up right to the middle, right where the X marks the spot, right where the two parts conjoin, what happens at that point? I don't remember. remember what's the, mo what's the, it's all about um, the murder of, of the father, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, there's all these brothers, and the, sorry to give this away, and the father gets killed, okay? And so it's all of this whodunit basically. Mm -hmm. But that happens right in the center of mm. the book. That's the turning right. point of the story. Right yes. There. Yeah. Okay. The Roman canon is patterned upon a chiasm, a no chiasmus. Way. It is. So there's this initial praise, this preface dialogue, um, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, lift up your hearts. It's, always, it's truly right and just always to give you praise. And the very last part is another uh, concluding doxology, through him, with him, and in him, all glory is yours forever and ever. And things just kind of work their way. So there's a, litany, there's a list of saints in the first part. There's a list of saints in the second part. Mm. There's a prayer for the living in the first part. There's a prayer for the deceased in the second oh. part. And everything's kind of work, if you just work Work it all the way back to the middle. What's the most important part of the Eucharistic prayer that would be right exactly that in the middle? That would be the consecration. Uh, the consecration. Yeah. yeah. So notice this the next time, if you're oh, fortunate enough oh to hear gosh. the Roman okay. canon. So yeah. just the, the procession as it works its way through the prayer to the consecration, and then this chiasmically reverses itself, and it's going to work out and work uh, after the consecration until the final doxology. And you're going to see these parallels, just like a letter X. Uh, so that's something I knew literature. existed, but I didn't, you know mm. what I mean? Knowing this information is going to make that way more clear to me, no. especially the next time we go This to might next. be the most important podcast we've ever done. <laughs> I'm serious. Well, these things are uh, really cool. You know, anaphora, symploche, diacopy, anadiplosis, apanidos, chiasmus. These are all types of useful repetitions. Can you repeat those? <laughs> I'm going to remember anadiplosis. Anadiplosis. That makes the liturgical text more elevated, more sacral, more memorable, more appropriate for the celebration of the Mass. Did We're we go through all there are two more, right? Yeah, that's it. Well, uh, under palindrome is where uh, I inserted I feel kind sad about Sorry. that. Oh, Did okay. So the more. last two were the. Six and yeah. seven. Got you know, it. we talk okay. about architecture this way. When you talk about being smart architecture, it's smart architecture. Smart architecture. It starts somewhere, and it has relation to other buildings. It has a certain kind of symmetry from one side to the next. Mm -hmm. It builds to the center door, so you know where the important things are. So the most elaborate columns will be in the center of the building and not on the edges. And so there's a turning point right in the middle and things like that. And so literature, text, anything elevated will do all of these things in a sort of whatever medium it's in, art, architecture, poetry, music. So, so there's two more that I, that not uh, examples or, but I would like to maybe try and figure out which, which category these fit in. One is the Kyrie, so Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is the Lamb of God. Uh, you take away this in his world, have mercy on us. And then That's the one end, of the early ones, right? It starts the same way every time. And then in the end, you plop in... Um, Grant us pieces, right? Yeah. the last, you should change the last one. Yeah, I suppose, uh, what do we call it? Anaphora, going back to, going back to the beginning, some variation of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But there's an interesting game that's played there, which is it does the same thing twice, and it sets you up to do the same thing again, and then it punches you in the eye and says something else. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. 
the setup of the repetition does one thing, but then the change does another thing. And so that, that probably has some. It probably does. And then also with the, with music too, you have the refrain and then, you know, so that's something that you say and then you go into the verse and then you have the refrain again. And we, we see that even with the um, antiphons and then you'll go into some text. The responsorial psalms classic mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. it's actually a lot more pertinent or uh, actually it's a lot more present than I would even have thought. You know, the church has been working on this missile for like <laughs> millennia, right? And it's not stupid and it's not thoughtless and it's not, um, you know, just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that, uh, I mean, the, the saints and the doctors and the faithful for centuries have been making this to be what it is. So it's a beautiful thing. Hey, Chris, um, Pete and repeat were sitting in a boat. Pete fell out. Who was left? Re. <laughs> Pete. <laughs> uh, you should go tell your uh, son Lars that joke and see if he understands it. I don't understand. <laughs> I bet he won't. Well, I have a newfound respect for the text of the Mass and for you, Chris. Oh, thanks, Tom. I used to mm-hmm. think you didn't know anything. Would you say no. that again? <laughs> I have a new respect for you. New respect for you. New respect for you. <laughs> All right. It's time to answer a question, question, question. Question, question. Right now, now, now. So why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Mail call! Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? All right, this next question is from David. David says, Is it inappropriate for a priest to say the people's responses? For example... Thanks be to God, after the reading, also after a deacon announced the Mass is over, we proclaim your death, O Lord. Some of them seem fine, others seem so off, and it feels like he's trying to compensate for a quiet congregation. Hmm. Is that appropriate for him to do that, Dennis? I think you do what the missile says. And if it says the priest and people reply, then priest and people reply. If it says the people reply, then the people reply. So, for instance, if the people you know, said... Um, Lord, the sacrifice in your hands or whatever, there's, it wouldn't make sense for the priest to say that, right? Pray, brother, than my sacrifice in yours. He wouldn't answer himself. Yeah, so maybe that's the first thing, is the missile says explicitly whether the priest and people say it together or whether the people respond to the priest, and that should be followed. So follow the rules. But, I mean, so what? What's, what's beneath the rules? Why do they make this distinction? Why do they say the priest says this and then the people respond? Well, I think sometimes the head speaks, sometimes the body speaks, sometimes the head and the body speak together. And the, as you have said many times, there are many voices in the liturgy. Sometimes it's the voice of the body, sometimes it's the voice of the spouse, sometimes it's the voice of the head, sometimes it's the voice of the member. And depending on who's talking to whom, you want to have the right people do the talking. Yeah. 
And those, really, those, those most important parts, for example, to be sung, really the most, in a lot of ways, the most important parts of the Mass are the, the dialogues that take place between head and, and members. And to, that's why the church wants those things first sung, because they're the most important parts in the order of Mass. But if the priest said, the Lord be with you, and then he answered, and with your spirit, that would be a little weird, right? Because yeah. it's a response. Now, if he's trying to make up for a congregation that won't answer by leading them along, you know, it's like, say, when your kid, when you, somebody gives your kid a thing, and you say, now say thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? If they just said thank you, you wouldn't have to say it for them. So that's a different story. Yeah. But ideally, they don't say things that aren't theirs to say. Yeah. All right. David, I hope that answers your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com. Thank you, and God, God bless. bless. You guys. Mm-hmm. The Liturgy Guys is produced by the Liturgical Institute. If you like what you've heard today, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And be sure to check out liturgicalinstitute.org to discover more about our degree programs, public events, and publications. Refresh your soul and renew the church at what Bishop Robert Barron calls one of the very best places in the country to receive formation in the Catholic liturgical tradition. Now that's a podcast.